Hello, my name is Jacob, and I am a Norse pagan. And what you just listened to was not the intro we've been doing for 59 episodes. What we had there was Souls by the artist Trago, which we have as a guest today, which is pretty amazing. So I'm really excited. I think this is the first, like we've had musicians on the show, but this is the first like musician that's actually producing music. So this is really exciting. Um, but you also might know him from Instagram. He's got a pretty big presence there. Um, and so we've already started the conversation a little bit. So we decided to go ahead and hit record. But before we go too deep into the conversation, I want him to go ahead and introduce himself. So Trago, go ahead and just introduce yourself to our audience out there. Hey, Jacob. Uh, hey, Caleb and Caleb. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me. My name is Trago. I'm uh, a, I would say Hellenic or Greek pagan, um, and uh, I'm located in Greece. I've been all over the world, um, and then I came back to Greece because the roots called me back, and I felt connected with my, uh, with my local, the local values of the culture where I grew up. And um, it's kind of interesting to see this whole circle now, you know, and what you've learned along the way from visiting different places for more than a decade. And um, right now, I feel like it's a good time to share all these lessons, you know, on Instagram and my music through my art uh, and stories. So it's really exciting to get started uh, online, I would say, and uh, to have conversations with, with cool people like, like you guys. So thank you so much. Well, I think it's funny that you, uh, you know, you're mentioning that you were nervous for this because it's like you make music, you've made music videos. I feel like this is just should be a, a piece of cake for you. I know, I know, I know. I was even um, teaching in a, in a university in London, um, and it it feels different, you know, having a big crowd of people where you just you know you have their attention, you know, and they pay attention. And whatever you say is the truth for them. You know, it's different from you know having a chat where you can be totally yourself you know over there i have let's say a script in mind but right now we want to talk as ourselves you know and uh it, being vulnerable sometimes is scarier than having a public persona so i'm here to talk as uh, the person creating trago not as trago the the makeup wolf dressed guy you know so i do want to open it up to because i've talked to you quite a bit more than uh both the caleb's have um, so I wanted to open up to them if you guys had any like beginning questions for them um, to kind of start us off. Yes, uh, you said you're a, a Hellenic pagan, I think was the term you used. Uh, so what god do you, what god or goddess do you work with the most and how did you get started uh, in that? Like what called you to do it? Yeah. Um, yes, I would say most people say Greek pagan. Um, they know the word Greek, but the proper way to say it is uh, Hellenic. Um, and um, it's I was born in um, uh, one or two kilometers away from the biggest temple uh, dedicated to Dionysus. By the way, sometimes I'm not, I don't know how the Greek gods are pronounced in English. So if I say something that sounds weird, just let me know. But because I have, I will have pronounced the Greek god in the Greek way of saying things. So um, in Greek, we call him uh, Dionysos. And uh, English, I think, is Dionysus and also Pan. These are the two gods that I feel most connected with. And uh, I just happen to be born next to that big temple. So we always had local celebrations that surprisingly were performed both by pagans and Christians. You know, so in, in Greece, you will not see um, different religions, you know, being so separate from each other. You can see that 
the law you know of paganism and the traditions are intertwined with christianity and, and people don't even know sometimes that this is of pagan origin you know they just do it because it's a cool thing to do you know they get dressed with weird things and then in the night they get together they light up fire they drink wine and then they tell stories you know and they perform rituals so it's kind of interesting to it was interesting to have been born there because um you know it was a early contact with the whole world and um from from a young age i couldn't really understand what the church you know uh, was talking about and uh, everybody in my family they're christians and i love them for whatever they believe in um you know and they're good people you know through their connection with their religion they they become better people and i respect that um so there's no real problem in my family because with this mutual understanding but i got to take a, a different path um obviously uh, the greek mythology is known all over the world uh probably you know with the norse mythology you know the two most well known mythologies so um it it was always easy to connect with people that know something about greek myths you know and um and have a chat with them so so this way i got to know that what i the path that i decided to take was a global thing you know that some people are aware of and uh yeah it was always good to have a chance to talk with people even if they were not pagans let's say in terms of faith um so yeah it was um you know it was never for me it was never a problem to hide what i believe in or how different i am from the majority of people around me and i'm really thankful for that for that also i wasn't disrespectful about other people you know believing in different faiths so that also helped um but eventually um having traveled as i said around the world and having lived in the uk for around a decade i realized that it was time for me to come back to my roots and um it's always great to be around and get to know other people from different places of the world like uh, i get to know now you guys and we talk from you know <laughs> so many thousands of kilometers away um but it's always good to be back home and there was always a strong connection you know with uh, the place where i grew up um for example i have now this this little statue people don't hearing they can't see it but it's a it's a goat and um it's similar to what has been found in the temple that i talked to you about um so for me these things there's strong connections with my ancestors and um knowing that i can be back in the place where everything happened it kind of makes sense so so i don't know i guess this is how everything started and this how everything continued and we get to the present day sure i know you're chomping at the bit he started mentioning greek stuff and then you know i just saw you start fidgeting down there like there, well you, i mean you're ready to unleash the beast well <laughs> you know because we most time on on the podcast we mostly specifically focus on the norse and for most people that know me you know i consider myself just pagan because I'm I'm willing to work with any deity or god that comes to me and the first pantheon that I reached out with beside the Norse was the Greek and Hellenistic and I delved down that rabbit hole and I'm just curious do you practice more of like the Athenian traditional style of the Hellenistic paganism or do you do more like the more modern day uh hellenistic paganism type because there are multiple different ways you can worship these deities that have been recorded and kept thanks to the athenians because you know they didn't want to burn anything they're like no we're not we're not destroying any of our history uh so that's that's kind of my question to you is do you have a specific style or you know do you do it more modern 
yeah, I would say out of the two choices, I would say the more modern way uh, because it makes more sense in, in terms of the lifestyle that I have and the places where I live. Um, I do enjoy some um, uh, representations of the ancient way of doing things. And yeah, everything is well preserved. Actually, we have tons of information about how things happened back in the day. And it's really, it's really emotional, you know, to, to feel like you're there, you know, to see what they were doing. And, uh, uh, but uh, for me, it wouldn't make sense to do it as in the old ways. Like I respect tradition, but I, al I always believe, I'm a firm believer of modernizing things, of making them um, catch up to what's happening today, right? So certain things were different back then and they were doing it in a specific way because of the context of how they were, they were living, you know, uh, what people were about to attack them and what they needed back then, right? So now we have different needs, different contexts, different technologies. It wouldn't make sense for me to just blindly do what they were doing. I love it in a romantic way, but also I'm a pragmatist and, um, you know, I include different rituals that make sense for me and uh, also can fit in my apartment, you know, and I'm, and I'm moving to different places every year. So it also wouldn't make sense for me to build something big that I can't really move. So that's why I have like small token, um, like uh, talismans and, and little statuettes and things like that. So I can always um, like create, recreate a corner in, in every place that I go. That is my personal corner, you know, that I can call a home. So do you have any like set um, religious practice that you do, you know, fairly regularly? Like, you know, um, I know a lot of people here, especially in the United States, have like altar spaces in their house. Do you find yourself doing any kind of religious like ceremonies or rituals there? Or, are you you know, more or less just like, hey, life is religion. I just live life like, you know, kind of how do you experience it? Yeah, I would say mostly um, I live life through religion. Uh, it's not about for me. Um, it's this is for me. This is my, my philosophy. Um, we have tools that help us achieve a goal. You know, they can help us connect with the gods we believe in, or help us um, connect with nature. Um, if these tools can help one person, it doesn't mean that they can help the other person in a similar way, right? That's why we individualize the tools we use. That's why I might have a specific statue that means a lot to me and helps me connect, or I might have specific substances or you know uh, aromas or things like that, scents that can burn, whatever. But it doesn't mean that it's going to work for somebody else. So um, so for me, having specific rituals was never really um, a necessity. Um, I don't use a lot of tools. Um, I just go out there. I, I go out in nature. I can you know, I can burn some some candles you know, and things like that that can help me connect. But I'm quite easy with the tools that I use. I don't have, you know, a big arsenal of um, of tools. Uh, my, my altar is actually two shelves, you know, I don't have a lot of things going going around. Um, but I do understand, I, I find it really interesting that different people practice in different ways. And I'm, I'm always keen to, to learn how people practice, you know, their faith. Um, so maybe we'd like to know, like, what what you guys are doing, you know, and maybe I can get some inspiration um, that I can use back in my own practice. So you're flipping around the interview on us, I see. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm interested. If you want to answer, yeah, yeah. So actually, I was just writing about this today because I'm I'm actually making a video um, for like the like almost like the FAQs of Norse paganism. So like the why, the where, the when, the how, you know, stuff that kind of simple questions. Because um, I find a lot of people still have those questions for me. And when I was talking about where you worship, uh, spe specifically for Norse paganism, 
Um, you know, I was like, you know, historically it's different based on region. You know, the Germanic people mostly worshiped outside, but they also threw things into bogs. You know, we know that. We know the Celts worshiped in sacred groves around sacred trees, but we know the Scandinavians also did that. We know the Swedes built temples, whereas the Icelandic people didn't. So it's like, it, it was so varied then, so it's going to be varied now. So mine's evolved, and I would say it evolved the more I got involved in community work. So when I was solo, I used my altar for basically everything. You know, that was my religion. And then I got more into hiking, going outside, going to nature. That became more of my religion. And now with the community aspect, I typically do majority of my religious practices at gatherings now, just because it, you know, why not? You know, I, I go to these things like every two months and that's really all I need to feel spiritually fulfilled. Otherwise it's like what I, you know, I asked you, it's like, for me, life has become the religion, you know, I just changed the light bulb in my living room to something that is more aesthetically pleasing and produces a more like Huga, like warm feeling. And that made me feel more connected to the gods. So I live those small moments personally nowadays. Uh, I love that. I love that. Thank you. It's, uh, I, I mean, I didn't expect um, to hear that you express your spirituality through the gatherings. And this is something I've never done really. Um, we don't have a huge community of pagans in Greece, uh, and you know they're all scattered. So finding people that you can have gatherings with, or you know the witches can have covens with, etc. It's it's kind of they're really small, you know, if if there are any. Oh, you you use the drum? Yes, yes. I'm 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 a percussionist myself, so this means a lot. Yeah, it's a uh, it's amazing how you can how we can use music to express our uh, connection. It's the vibrations, you know, it's we, we vi they vibrate, the drum vibrates or the instrument vibrates and then you feel something that, you know, helps you tune out and then connect. Well, um, almost all so the music can be traced back to basically religion. Like that's yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of yeah, it was used for, the same for time. practices. Yes, yes, there was, there was no, there was no pagan ceremony, I mean, it was, everything was pagan back then. There was no ceremony in ancient Greece without the use of music and the drums, especially for, for Dionysus and, and Pan, you know, the, the ceremonies were very ecstatic. People were getting um, drunk, intoxicated, and there were some, I don't know, can I say orgies, you know, happening and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's all it's, Greek to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah right I mean, to say is like, they, there was a lot of car, uh, what do they call them? Carnal um, yeah. <laughs> practices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like, their way of exp yeah. So many of these things are illegal now. You know, like you do them, you get you end up in jail. Right? <laughs> I'm worried um, now. But, you know, on the podcast, you know, we mentioned the word orgy. We we're on a watch list somewhere. <laughs> we're pagans. It's well, okay. <laughs> Fertility festivals were a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, just the cult of Dionysus and like uh, the, the Dionysia was a great festival. And like, if you do your research in it, the Athenians really went real big into the festival of Dionysus, which happens in March. And I want to one day have a festival for him because that's who I've been working with all year doing shadow work and stuff like that with. Um, and, and so many people see Dionysus as the party God and he's, he is, but he's much more than that too. He's very spiritual and he can help you understand your spirituality and yourself in ways that you never even thought of before. And I'm sure, you know, Trover, you can really expound on that being there outside the, the temple for the man himself. And I can't believe that that like blows my mind. How jealous are you? 
Oh, I'm very jealous. I'm very jealous. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie, because like just his backyard. Yeah, like I mean, because like I said, this whole year I've been working with uh, Dionysus. I haven't had hardly any time with Thor this year because Dionysus has kept a lot of my attention and time. Um, I would say one thing. You mentioned something very important: um, shadow work. And yes, you're you're right. Uh, Dionysus is um, all about uh, disconnecting. You know, getting outside of your normal way of thinking, and that's why people use uh, wine and uh, alcohol and they get intoxicated. They need, you need to disconnect, to connect, to reconnect with what really matters. And um, for me, um, what Dionysus represents is very important nowadays because we all get bogged down to details and to, you know, things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, but we end up, you know, uh, getting exhausted every day by things that don't really matter. So that's why disconnecting um whether that's just uh, through meditation you know without any substances or you know, through wine or anything else is really important nowadays and um, um when, when you do that when you disconnect and you disconnect from your public persona you start seeing some things that are not really pretty or you might be afraid of and this is where shadow work comes in um being honest with yourself and uh, doing a little bit of soul searching to really be confident about who you are and what your values are and what you believe in and what your position is in terms of the, the whole society. Uh, because you might believe in certain things, but might, you might feel bad because your neighbors don't. So you might feel isolated, right? So this is where shadow work comes in. And uh, that, that's, I think what you said, uh, Caleb, is that, you know, this, what, what Dionysus represents is, is for me what, the world needs today in a way so what we need to do is get really drunk all the time uh <laughs> disconnect you're just wanting to party but i mean that's Dude, one I, part, I drink one um, beer and get drunk nowadays that's my party uh, <laughs> i mean the the drinking and the partying and like the living the luxury stuff is just one part of dionysus at face value and that's what most people see but when you really dive in and you start working with dionysus it's an entirely different like feeling and, and being and i never expected it to go in depth as it has with me and there are a few other people that have reached out to me about Dionysus and I'm helping them connect to him. And, you know, and it's like you said, that's what we need, you know, and then with Pan, with you working with Pan, Pan is very nature-based, very heavily uh, nature-based where we would, I guess for the Norse would be more uh, maybe Freyr-ish. I mean, cause we see. Well, I, one of, thing I was going to mention is uh, one of the earliest like old books I read was from like the 1840s on uh, the, like basically the reemergence of Germanic paganism um, and Norse paganism. And it was, it was comparing it to the Greek. And they're like, if you look at the, the isle, the Greek isles and look at the deities they follow, they make sense. You know, they're very celebratory. Um, they're nature-based they're, you know, there is drinking involved. There is the orgies, but there, you know, there's obviously more depth than that. But then you look at the cold North, the people from the rugged lands of, you know, Scandinavia, we don't really even have a like drinking deity, which is kind of surprising. We, you know, there's a gear, but then again, it's like the drinking deity is like the Lord of the ocean at the same time. And so there, you know, the, the Norse deities do seem to be a lot more like rigid and, or like, you know, like cold shouldered in a way. And I it, literally from a cold place. So it is interesting to see the difference between those two sets of deities based on the environment. 
Yeah, and um, it, you know, it's the, what what the the gods represent is always the, a part of the culture of the people back in the day. You know, you can but by, by seeing what the most important gods were in a culture, you can understand probably a lot about the culture itself. You know, it's it's um, but the majority of of the gods they do connect with each other in one way or another. You know, you can. Uh, we have the old father, we have Zeus as well, like more or less the same fatherly figure. Obviously, Zeus a little bit more promiscuous, I would say, and a little bit more <laughs> relaxed with his Maybe, life. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've done the Odin research, you got some, around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not going to say, I'm not going to use, a, you know, more R-rated words. Well, anyway, um, so there's, these, there's universal traits that people are seeking, you know, they have needs and they want answers. So that's why um, the the deities they um, they uh, worship they were representing these needs, and um, I would say in in Greece uh, gods like Athena uh, that was the the goddess of strategic war and and Ares that was the god of war you know two different gods but Athena also the goddess of wisdom they were very important because. Greece was at war all the time. Everybody wanted to conquer Greece, right? So they needed protectors. They needed um, gods that will help them, give them strength, inspire them to stand against big empires like the Persians that wanted to take over Greece and they never did. So um, that's that's what I say when I uh, that's what I mean when I say that the gods represent what the culture looks like. Well, I think this is a good transition point to something I, I know you wanted to talk about is why why now? Why are the pagan deities returning now in such such reverence around the world um, in various different ways and basically every culture and place? And I think it, it's that point right there. You know, the gods reflect what the culture wants or needs or needs in that time. And it seems like, you know, universally, everyone's starting to move a little bit more naturalist now. Uh, you know, everyone's starting to want to return to nature. We're seeing what's happening to the environment. We're seeing what's happening when all we do is use, use, use. And we see these deities not as using gods, but deities of, you know, basically living together with the world around us. Yeah. Um, I try not to blame uh, in general, uh, but I, I need to mention Christianity a little bit. Um, so coming from a country that the majority of people are still, you know, on paper, obviously, uh, Christians, um, it, it's still, there's, there's people, people are still afraid, you know, of the, the Abrahamic gods, let's say. But the new generations, they are not so much, you know, they, they realize that there is a lot of Christian law that gets in, mingled with the Christian truth and what the law does is really scare people into believing. Um, and uh, I think people start realizing that, you know, these are all great tales and uh, it's not the reality that, you know, you're going to burn for eternity, you know, in a, in a fire pit. Um, and uh, I think this whole debunking thing made people start realizing that there is, you know, more directions and there's different religions that can help me express myself and also uh, achieve my goals and my needs and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know I, I, if, if Christianity works for people like for my mother let's say or my father that's good for them I really respect them for that they're good people and they find strength in their own faith and, and that's great it's amazing um, 
but this is not true for everybody. That's why I, I think people started turning into, you know, like turning around to see what else is out there. And uh, also it's the environment, the, the turn of people into awareness of all the bad things we've done as humanity, you know, how badly we treat each other and animals and, and the whole environment, you know, nature, mother nature. Um, I think people start understanding that we're doing a bad thing. And um, also consumerism is playing a huge part in this. You know, we, we need to consume more and more. Um, and this whole thing is not sustainable. So that's why I think also people started going back to nature to protect her, whether they're pagans or not. People start realizing that the climate is changing and that we need to protect the, the earth that, you know, gave us, you know, everything we need. Um, so for me, these are two very important reasons. There might be more if I think about this. Um, but yeah, the fact that they understand there is a lot of lies in their own faith and also the need to protect our planet are two of the big reasons um, that people go back to paganism and started looking around. Also, obviously, Marvel. <laughs> Marvel and Vikings and all these amazing pop culture series are terrific in storytelling. But this is also another entry point, you know, it's different from what I've just said, but people, they get inspired or they get triggered like, oh, so what is this? What is this powerful being, you know, that can do all these amazing things? And, uh, you know, they're also like human, but not quite like, what are they? So they start digging into it and they realize that, okay, well, actually it sounds much better than what I already believe in. So they start transitioning and then they start looking around for communities like your community and my community, and they start getting educated, right? And if they're open-minded enough, they will find anything they want online and then they can decide for themselves what path they want to take. So yes, I, I kind of hate it when, I don't hate it, strong word, but I, I would prefer that people find something lacking in them and then turning into paganism uh, than seeing a pop, you know, movie, but whatever works to help people understand their own needs. And um, what I really like about paganism and what's coming, you know, the, the, the whole momentum we have right now is that paganism doesn't, um, there's no proselytism in paganism. We don't force people. We, we're not looking for recruiters, you know, we're not looking for new members. If somebody really wants to um, to change their faith or believe in, you know, in Wicca or Norse paganism or a specific deity or being eclectic in a little bit of everything, whatever works for you, yeah, there's no real gatekeepers. You can do that. Whatever expresses yourself, whatever helps you, whatever inspires you to get through the day and thrive in life. So I'm really glad we're going there. And uh, I'm really glad we start reconnecting with the ancient wisdom that our ancestors found out, you know, by trying all these different things and living life that we get to reconnect with it again. Open it up to the Caleb's. They got anything? Oh, well, I was just going to make a comment. You know, you're talking about getting back to your roots and then getting back. You know, one thing that really um inspired me to really start looking toward the greek mythos one I, as a kid growing up like you said we, over here in america we read you know the poetic or not only the poetic get up but like um the odyssey and the iliad by homer so you know we grow up with the greek stories and, and the roman stories of the gods and one thing that interests me the most 
really with the Greeks, especially at the ancient, was the hero veneration that they did with like Achilles, Alexander the Great, Heracles, you know, these great men who did heroic and, and tremendous deeds. And that's one of the biggest leading factors of reason why I started leaning toward the Greeks because of the mythologies and because of the different ways that they are different from the Norse. And um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you, you, you go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, and, you know, that's that was really fascinating to me is that, you know, because we don't really think in the Norse like about Buran. We don't really, as far as I know, there's not many of us Norse pagans that venerate the old heroes of old than what we have. We, we have the story of some of them being like berserkers and stuff like that or King Harold, but we don't really venerate them in the same way that the Greeks do with like Alexander the Great or like Heracles. I will say I will add the Celts are really big on venerating heroes. Like it's often very hard to tell the difference between a Celtic god and a Celtic hero. But it, it seems like that's something that was, you know, important but more or less lost in the Scandinavian tradition. Right. I mean, I'll I'll tell you one interesting thing that I just found out uh, a few months ago when I was in the island of uh, Kefalonia, where I used to live. Uh, we took a boat and went to Ithaca, where. As you know, this is where the Palace of Odysseus was. And uh, this is where the Odyssey started and the Odyssey ended, actually. Uh, and and um, uh, this was the place uh, where uh, Odysseus had um, his wife waiting for, I don't know, decades. And there were people, um, I don't know the, the, the English word for that, but there were people waiting you know, for, for the news, whether he's alive or dead. And uh, they were waiting to take his place. Obviously, he returned, and um, you know it was a happy ending in this story. Um, but the interesting thing was, when we went to visit this palace uh, or whatever's left of it, you know, a few rocks here and there, and not much. Um, we found this um, this big board that represented how the palace looked like. And then there was a big um, uh, marble that had an inscription on it. And uh, essentially, this inscription said that uh, Odysseus, a, a mortal human being, was worshipped as God by the people in these islands because of the great deeds that you just mentioned, Caleb. Um, these people were um, pushed towards eternity. And uh, sometimes, you know, they, they um, went through history being worshipped as gods because of the, the character traits they represent and what people wanted to see in their worship you know we when we worship anything like it can be you know i don't know this piece of wood whatever this represents to each person we want to get inspiration i think this is this is what faith is we want to get inspiration strength we want to find answers and for some people that was through a mortal human you know that did something extraordinary and uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people of different faiths, they will just have a role model, you know. So, um, you know, they don't really worship them, but they might watch all of their videos and their TEDx talks, you know, or might subscribe to their channel and not never miss a post, like you know, Jacob, maybe. Um, but essentially, this is like a modern way of worshiping somebody, somebody, you know. You follow them, you're like a disciple, although it's not an official, you know, religion. But you follow what they do. And uh, back in the days, there were 
uh, more geared towards you know believing in a higher power in everything they see and this is something we've lost you know everything in nature had a higher power in it you know there were the nymphs of the woods and the dryads and um like nymphs representing every element the woods. everything was alive right so there was a tendency to see something extraordinary in everything even a simple rock you know nothing was dead really everything was moving inspiring and alive so this is something that we've kind of tracked away from in the modern day and we get to believe that as humans you know we're on top and everything else doesn't really have value we can chop this tree down you know we can kill this animal we can do this and that and we're committing all this hubris you know without seeing anything sacred obviously pagans see you know uh sacred elements in more things than others uh but again this is something that everybody needs to have a reminder in my opinion that there is um, a sacred element everywhere and we need to reconnect with that Anyway, that was, that was a weird way of going from one thing to the other. <laughs> Welcome I mean, to podcasting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I wanted to add, because, you know, you get that one thought in your mind and you're like, oh, I'm going to say that next. And yeah, then all the sudden train goes, of thought. Like, we yeah, haven't even yeah. talked about your music. We haven't even talked about your social media stuff. Like, we haven't even hit that stuff yet. We're still talking about, like, esoteric paganism and beliefs around the world, which is great. Um, but one thing I was going to mention, I do think it's so cool. Um, you know, I'm really big on world religions and you said you're a traveler too. Um, and I love learning about like the oldest religions of areas to see where they came from, you know? So if you look at basically every continent on the, in the world, some of the earliest religions of every single belief system all involve some form of animism. I mean, you have the, you know, Japanese, they heavily believed in Shintoism and the literal godliness of everything that exists. Um, if you look at Africa, you know, you have the early, you know, proto-Egyptian belief system where they were literally painting, you know, carving the oldest carvings in the world, which were half human, half animals. And then you look at the Native American belief system, which is believes in, you know, the great spirit, which is in, within all of us. And then of course the Norse tradition, this, you know, the, uh, you know, all the polytheistic European traditions also see this in the spirits all around. So, I mean, if that's not a sign that, you know, there is spirits everywhere, you know, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's true. And um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll mention it again. It's good to be reconnected back to this ancient wisdom, you know, because these people, they found uh, a few things that we have lost nowadays. We're too busy to see things. And uh, if you, uh, I think I posted about this, something like this, if you're not open to seeing magic, you will never find it. You know, you need to understand that there's things that we can see, but what the eye sees is not really the reality. You know, we can see, you know, you, Jacob, and I, we can see the same thing, like a glass of wine. Somebody might see that, okay, there is wine down there. Somebody else might see the chemical structure of it and might deconstruct it this way. Or somebody else might see, oh, this is a cool thing to, to draw. Or somebody else might think of a memory related to wine, etc. So what we see is different from, uh, for each person. And that, that's why I think we need to open our minds a little bit more to magic, to start seeing beyond just an inanimate object and see what it represents, what it used to be in the past, the energy it has, etc. And maybe we can get inspired by every little thing we see in life and, and life can be magical again. One of you boys down there asked a question. I'm going to get myself a glass of wine now. We've talked about wine so much. <laughs> I'm just so, jealous. He's getting that good Greek wine, like the authentic. Oh, 
like I, I imagine I don't know if he's gonna keep this in there or not, but uh that's one thing I found that I, I often get to Dionysus is wine. Um you know, I try to find Greek, sometimes Italian. Uh do you offer him the same sort of thing or like what all kind of offerings do you offer Dionysus? Yeah, so usually uh, when I decide to spend time here in my little altar, um, I will have a little shot of wine for him to enjoy, and uh, I will enjoy my glass as well. Um, nothing much beyond that, you know, just to, uh, to be respectful towards him for everything he's taught me and everything he's inspired me to do, and uh, to make sure, you know, he can see that I care back as much as he cares about me as well. I haven't talked in a bit. I kind of got lost in the conversation. I was talking to my wife about some stuff, and then I saw, like, this smoke-looking stuff coming from under my table, and I realized, like, I have a draft over here that I have to plug because it's, like, the cold air coming into the hot. <laughs> but so I kind of got off uh, off the conversation there for a minute. But do they still make the wine in Greece like they used to back in the um, – I guess back in ancient times? Because I remember – I can't remember what books it was. I used to be really big into everything Greek and Egyptian and things like that. And I remember them saying that it was like a very alcoholic wine, like almost liquor in a way. Is it still like that? Or I, yeah, the way you're acting, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, I, the, the short answer is I don't think so. Um, don't think so. Yeah, things have evolved. And um, obviously you can find liquor-like uh, classes of wine. But the majority of wines, you know, they're in modern standards in how an Italian or a Frenchman would, would um, create it, right? And uh, the, the wine industry in Greece is, is huge. But yeah, I don't think you might find some obscure little workshop where they have small quantities of the traditional way of doing things. But uh, I think, you know, the, the globalism and, you know, the need to export your goods, not just keep them for, your, for yourself. It created some kind of trend that you need to modernize your approach. So, yeah. I think the answer is no. You might be lucky to find in some places if you, you know, uh, start studying and then go to this island and then find that specific crop where they can get the wine, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really readily available, I'd say. So you, you know, the, the thing I love about religion, like, well, paganism, is, you know, I went to go get this glass of wine. And then I, I took my wine bottle into my, my room where my altar space is, and I poured out a little bit of wine for uh, the your ancestors out there, Trago, and the Greek ancestors that we're talking about. So, skull and cheers to that. Cheers, thank you, thank you. That that means a lot. Uh, we were talking with with Caleb about this, you know, like what I do when it comes to Dionysus. Dionysus. I, I guess you'll you'll uh, you'll listen back to the podcast and you you'll get my answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I do want to make sure we take time because we're a little bit past halfway um, to talk about more of the modern stuff, uh, because obviously, you know, uh, I think one of the reasons you and I have connected because we both kind of believe in taking what we believe in, in the spiritual past, but also modernizing that using the tools to our advantage to help, you know, spread the word to spread the message, but also to share ideas. So do you want to kind of talk about um, how you're taking uh, this modern the modern tools we have and, and bringing that together with paganism? Yes. Um, so do you want me to talk specifically about the online tools or? Yeah. So um, I think where most people would probably know you from is probably from the Instagram. So kind of, you know, maybe start talking from there and then maybe kind of evolve into, uh, you know, like the music and stuff like that. Okay, sure. 
Yeah, so I guess most people will know me from uh, at Trigo on Instagram, where, yeah, the, the community is growing. It's been almost a year and a half, um, but, you know, right now in November 2021, it's about 16,000 people. That's that's not a small uh, community. And, um, yeah, it started from scratch without anything extraordinary, but just people sharing the posts, etc. Um, what I'm trying to do is I realize that pop culture is doing something amazing. You know, pop songs or movies, they try, they, they try to, to package a, a lesson or um, a tune or something, a, a, a simple thing, into a beautiful story or beautiful music. And then this is like the, the wrapping of, of that, the core content. And, um, and people um, respond to that really well, you know, a well-made movie can, can reach your heart way faster than a, a lecture in a university. You know, you can learn much more in the movie by relating to the condition of the person, you know, than having a person talk about this experience. That's why we share stories for all the years. Um, and, uh, and obviously the same thing can happen with music. Pop music is really sticky. Uh, you can, you might have an earworm, you know, for hours after listening to this pop song that you don't really like, but it's just so catchy that you will keep humming it. Although it's not really your style to listen to Lady Gaga, but you might like, okay, I'm humming this song again, get out of my head. So this is something that I realized that um, we can use to pass on some content that has substance to it. Uh, to find a way to find something that people can relate with maybe a quote or something or an image they can relate with and then add substance to it through the message and usually i try to have something snappy in the image use something a visual that people will that will make people stop scrolling because you're competing against all these other people that are posting stuff if we're literally competing for like one second of eyeball yeah, time yeah fractions of a second you know you you, you scroll through stories and, and feed etc so much and um, there is so many amazing people that talk about different things and yeah i wish i had the time to just consume everything but we are competing against each other um and that's why i always use something that is visually striking that people can stop what they're doing and connect with the image maybe um convey some emotion and then have a some kind of text like a, a lesson that would be packaged in a way that is easily understood uh, I don't manage to do that all the time, obviously, but sometimes I do, and then things take off and they go viral. And then what I try to do is deliver substance in the caption. Uh, obviously, you know, a visual, a, an image, you know, 1000 by 1000 is not enough space to convey the real message. This is, some people just like it and scroll through and then go. But a lot of people will start reading the caption where I try to tell a story or share personal experience, or um, share a lesson through a story. And uh, this is where I think magic happens. People start watching, uh, reading that, and then responding to the comments or sharing the post. So for me, I think this is the true action. You know, the likes, I don't really care about. I couldn't care less. But I care about the conversations going on and what people believe in and one, what we can teach to each other. If I can make one person open up and share their story or their experience, and that will help somebody else be like, oh, you're Native American saying that, and I'm from Europe, but we feel the same way. I didn't know this was possible.
wow, let me let me check your profile and let me let me Google that thing that you said, your tradition, what you're doing over there. And then you learn something. So for me, this is the magic. You know, this is what I'm trying to to create online. If I can trigger conversations and people to look up other things that I didn't know existed, uh, I've succeeded. You know, and I will keep doing that because I think it's magical. Every day I see a new comment that makes sense and somebody has you know, opened his mind or something like that, I feel proud. I know that job has been accomplished. So, so yeah, that's what I'm trying to do on Instagram and um, I'll keep doing it forever, man. You know, it's, uh, it's, not, it's never enough material, you know, to cover. It's always something new, something fresh. And because I'm always reading, I'm going outside, I'm thinking of things, I'm talking with people like with you guys, I always have new things to consider and to learn for myself. And because I'm learning myself, I always have new things to share. Well, you know, I, I have to like bow down to you in a way because uh, Instagram, you know, kind of chewed me up after a while because when I first got into it, um, I think June 2019 is when I started The Wisdom of Odin. Um, I was really, really on it for like the first year where I had a, a posting cycle. I did it, you know, 9 a.m., you know, Eastern time every single day, you know, Wednesday peak posting times. Like I knew all that stuff. I you know, was get, making sure things were catchy, making sure I, you know, had good depth responding to you know to conversation and then eventually it just burned me out and uh you know and i've watched you you know go from i think the first time i saw your page was around four thousand, and now you're up uh, past sixteen thousand. and it's like you you've really i mean we, we can't deny that instagram and social media is a game and i have to bow down to the fact that you know how to play the game really well but you're not only that but you also have maintained a soul which is the most important thing is that if and that's the reason I stopped is because I, I wanted to maintain my stool. And I, I could tell that if I, I kept going down, I was going to lose it. Um, so the fact that you've been able to do both, truly, uh, good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It, it's, uh, I don't, uh, this might sound strange, but um, I wish I had more people um, telling me that I'm doing a good thing. You know, I, I know a lot of people get value from what I do and they talk with other people and they connect and they discover new things. But um, I don't get enough compliments, I would say. And sometimes it's not about, you know, stroking your ego or feeling important. I don't care about that. I've done enough shadow work to be like self-reliant on that part. But when it comes to understanding if you've done the right thing or if you're heading towards the right direction, I don't have enough people telling me like, okay, you know, this is, this is great. Like, keep, keep doing that. You know, so I have to decipher through metrics of Instagram. Right. And, and that is so unhealthy. If I'm doing the, yeah, I know, I know. That is so, deciding your value through yeah. online rudimentary, you know, metrics is like the worst thing for your yeah. mental health ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're just, breaks. yeah, that, that's probably a good thing. I mean, you both y'all, whenever y'all go through and look at the metric, you're just looking at a robot that's feeding you what, what your value is yeah you literally have a, a number for your value as a human being and it, it is really and, hard but, to separate that and that's that's the way that the machines are designed you know and then can that's I, can scary I about this. Can, can i say this is i think this is very important um i'm going to share something that uh, the person that has done this uh will will know and i want to thank her for that um, so there was a point uh, I was really obsessed with reaching 10,000 followers. I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, that was my big goal. So I did everything that I could to get there. And when I got there, um, I started feeling insecure. Like, all right, I got there, you know, that seemed easy, 
easier than I expected. And then I started feeling um, insecure whether I'm, I'm posting good content that people will like and whether people actually like me and if I'm, if what I'm doing is the right thing and, uh, you know, it, why this post didn't get so many likes, etc. right? Um, and I did what, what you, Jacob, just um, uh, talked about. Uh, I inevitably connected my self-worth with the likes on the screen. Um, I, I didn't realize that, you know, I connected my, my core self that I don't show online with that online persona that I've created, you know, because Trigo is a representation of myself, you know, uh, Trigo still has the same value like I do, but Trigo is also an enhanced version of myself. And I connected my core self, my, my, my self value with the likes on the screen of my imaginary self um, and felt real bad. This, this was a big hit to my mental health. And um, for some reason, something magical happened. You know, it's, it's always these moments where you need to hear something. I got a letter from America and it was this person that we're really connected with. I'm really uh, deeply connected with a lot of people that were chatting through voice messages, you know, where sometimes we have calls and it's really amazing. But this person felt that I started losing myself and she sent me a letter and she knew that this was the only way for me to appreciate the message inside the letter, you know, versus a message that I might see later or a really long message that might be difficult to read on a small screen. She sent me a handwritten letter. I read it. When I received the envelope and I saw her name, I just stopped doing everything I was doing. I went down by the beach. Um, I, I took a glass of water, you know, to just relax, took a big breath, opened the envelope and started reading. And I wept because she was talking about all these people that committed suicide, all the, the amazing artists that connected their self-worth with their artistic worth and what the audience thought of them. And uh, she said, you don't really deserve a bad ending. And uh, this might sound too dramatic, but connecting your self-worth with your online persona is just unsustainable. And uh, if you let go of that, you will be you know, uh, a much better creator and you will open up yourself to new possibilities and paths. And, and whenever I feel disconnected, I always read that letter and have it on my desk all the time. What I was reaching back yeah. for is uh, something similar. I got a postcard from someone that I connected with and it was basically the same thing it was for Yule last year. And uh, I always keep it up there. And anytime I start feeling down, I always read it. <laughs> so it is crazy that that's, you know, something we both kind of similarly went through. I mean, it, I'm glad uh, we both had that. I really am. Yeah. I'm so thankful for that because that shows the magic of connection with people around the world. You know, the fact that she sensed something and she didn't tell me, but she sent me a letter for me that meant everything. So yeah, I'm thankful to her. Um, if you if you're listening to that, you know who you are. Shout out to you, thank you. Um, so yes, important message: the likes on the screen or whatever we do, and whatever the audience responds to what we do, is not our self worth. Uh, always keep this in mind. Well, I think that's why I started becoming so focused on the community aspect and uh, focusing on building up the wisdom of Odin community. 
Um, because I just had this realization is it's it, the only thing that really matters to me is things that happen in the real world. And I think like letters like the one you received and like the postcard is it, it pierces through that internet veil. And all of a sudden it becomes real when you have something tangible in your hands of like, that's a real difference. And having the gatherings and things like that, that's what it became for me is, is I can actually see it. I can touch it. You know, I can smell the, you know, the air everyone's breathing at the same time. Um, and I think the gatherings really have helped me personally, uh, you know, move aside from the, you know, the internet world and really focus on the real world. Well, you know, I was, oddly enough, I was watching a documentary on social media and stuff like that last night. And, you know, what people can't see, but like, this is Instagram. I'm holding it up. We all know what Instagram is. And when we log on to Instagram, yes, it can connect us to so many different people, but also there's, we're looking at the other end of a supercomputer that's feeding us the same information. Did you watch like the social dilemma? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, it messed me up for a few days. Yeah. I mean, well, think about it though. It's, it's, it's super, it's right though, because this computer is sending us information and then, when we get likes and stuff like that, it's that, that short dopamine rush. So it's easy to get influence, you know, especially for you, you guys. I mean, y'all both are creators, are both artists in your own rights. Um, it's so easy to misconstrue that. Trago, do and, you have notifications on your phone or do you keep them off? I don't, I don't. Yeah, no, I keep we mine don't. off too. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And, and you know what? That whole thing do, doesn't really have anything to do with the old ways. Like, that's great. Now, let's use all these tools as a way to connect with others and, and, you know, share some messages. But it has nothing to do with the old ways and the ancient wisdom that we all ascribe to. You know, it has nothing to do with nature. It doesn't compare going out in the woods, you know. For me, the dopamine that I get, like the, the high that I get when I'm out in the woods and I hear what's around and I sense, you know, all this energy doesn't compare with the likes on a post you know i draw so many times you know i have in my schedule i need to post something uh and i don't post because i i just feel like going to the woods you know it's much better for me so i go there i feel better and then when i come back i have a lot of ideas you know right. fresh ideas not forced ideas that i will have to to do this for the algorithm to like me you know i just go out there and then everything else is so organic and it's more like me you know, it represents myself and what I believe in as well. And then if people happen to like it, that, that's great. Right. I even have it um, on Instagram. I have it turned off. I can even see how, how many likes any posts get anymore, just because like, I don't even want to think about it. You know, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm going to post what I'm going to post and you know, that's it. Well, I, I looked at mine just now. I think I only have like 70 posts, but I don't ever get on there unless it's to message someone. How many times like, me? Like, you only ever post when like we make a podcast episode and i tag you <laughs> no I, I don't even do that anymore the, I last know, right? post, the last post i have is whatever i got my hammer in uh that oh that's in. right yeah and that's been almost a month or so ago like i don't get on instagram i don't really get on facebook at, except for like in the morning when i'm trying to stay awake on the way to work uh and I don't, I'm very rarely on social media because it's such, it's very dangerous and very addictive to, you know, a certain degree that it can consume you and, and steal away your time. And, you know, I'd rather spend my time out in nature. I'd rather spend my time talking to you guys or out in the woods uh, with the gods than staring at my phone screen. That's one thing I love, like about the gatherings we hold. 
How many times do you see people on their phones? Unless it's like the message, the loved oh, ones or whatever. Dude, I've had so know? many people thank me. They're like, I'm so glad you record these because otherwise, like, I would like have any record of this happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like uh, after the first Texas gathering, you messaged me and Ian, like, all right, send me photos and videos. And we're like, wait, what? We were supposed to take photos and videos of this? <laughs> that's why I have you guys. You're my agents, my spies at the gatherings. <laughs> we fail because i'm not there to take photos <laughs> and, and videos i'm there to experience and, and really make connections with other people and that's that's one thing you know trogo if you can ever experience i know uh for the greeks it'd be really interesting to have a gathering just centered around dionysus and and those energies out there that way oh i can, I can only imagine the energy uh, we that, we do we, yeah we do we do in my region you know around the temple of Dionysus, that oh. that, that whatever's left of it um and not many people go because it's too late you know when the the the, the, the local celebrations are over but people stay awake you know and they, they light up the fires and they get the wine going. right uh, uh, magic happens there. I, I, um, guys, I mean i know this might not happen but i want to invite you um if you're in greece in early january um, I would, well, if you're in Europe around that time, I would love you to take a plane and come to Greece, and then I can I can host you in the area where I grew up, and I can show you around, so you can see all these traditions that remain alive after you know centuries. That that'd be awesome. Sure, get on a plane, start heading right, right. <laughs> I might, I might have to start making a plan for that because I do, <laughs> I do want to go to Greece at some point. Time. I feel me. I feel the calling to go to Greece a lot. Uh, you know, working with Dionysus and then like Apollo. Like I would love to go to where the old Temple of Delphi used to be and just stand there on that ground. Like the energy, I feel like in some of these old temples and some of the old areas would be insane. I tell you, when I was in the overall. Oh, and the overalls, yeah. But <laughs> uh, I was in uh, in Germany, uh, that Temple of Apollo, where I filmed the Balder video at. Um, that was one of the best experiences I've had over I had overall in Germany, um, just because, like, you know, the fact it, it, obviously the Temple of Apollo was built in like the 1800s, but at the same time, it was so cool to be at a place literally called like the Temple of Apollo and talk about Balder, which is obviously are very synonymous with one another. Um, and that was just, it was such a peaceful experience being there and like, you know, pouring wine out on the altar basin and stuff like that really just uh, is such a, there was like a connection between thousands of years there and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <Gives me laughs> um, so as we start uh, kind of getting close to the end here, I do want to kind of talk about your music more, because obviously this is something that um, I would say you're probably the most passionate about. Is it, Would that be a correct statement? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm trying to share my messages through music. And um, as I'm telling people close to me and now you guys, before I die, I'll release an album and then I'll die, just like David Bowie did. Uh, by the way, the only person that I actually cry, the only star that I cried um when when he died you know um so i, I really admire people that can do what they what what they believe in or create artistic works for 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 decades and uh and really be passionate about it and not do it for the money or the fame but because they need to express themselves and that's what i'm trying to do i've been making music since i was um 17 or 18 years old since i learned how to use a door a, a a digital uh, 
production software, you know, for music. I thought you were um, like a door that you like, you were like banging this oh, door to create music. And I'm like, a, hey, man, a, if it works. It's a door. Yeah, a door. D A W. Uh, that's initials. Yeah. And um, for me, it's, it's just it's a way of expressing myself. And I can't really be whole unless I make music. There is literally things inside of me that I need to get out. And that's why I'm writing music. So I do have to ask, because I'm sure other people have wondered this too. Where did the bear hat come from? Where was that? Where was that, where was that created and birthed from? It's actually a, a wolf. A wolf way. hat? Okay. Um, yeah. So the wolf um, is, it has to do with, with my connection with uh, the animal, right? Um, initially, uh, we, we had the need to create a public persona that is not myself so i can feel also disconnected and also i can feel that i can represent a an enhanced version of myself so usually i don't go out with with the wolf hat on and the makeup um but you always need to uh, represent something bigger than yourself if you want to to reach that level and for me the ideal version of myself is trago is that person you see on the screen on instagram and on the videos and um, my, my team, we sat down and we started thinking about the values that uh, I represent and what I want to portray for that personality. And eventually we wrote down a few words and uh, the forest, which is represented on my makeup. And also the wolf that I'm connected with is, is on my head. Uh, and then, you know, the beard and, and the whole thing that looks not so polished. Um, is also a part of, you know, the ancient part, like the more raw side of myself. Um, and then what I'm wearing at the bottom, that black thing that looks like a kind of trousers and skirt, like a combination, is actually a local dress from my area. I used to dance traditional dances here in Greece where we grab hands and then we go around in circles. And that used to be back in, you know, centuries old. And um, we have this traditional pants, I would say. And uh, I found a modern version of it. And um, I, yeah, I started wearing that, you know, just to connect with my roots. And um, yeah, that, that's who Trago is. Really, it's myself, but uh, um, supercharged and bigger than life. And it's a reason for me to keep improving you know, and try to be Trago really and then to look up to him and then be that person the idealized version of myself so we i actually did this check we're already over the hour mark so i did want to go over and uh go to the calebs one more time see if you guys have any uh, final questions or anything like that um and then we'll start closing it out the uh, only thing i want to say is uh, you are doing a good job i know you said you don't get enough compliments but i really love your style of music it's got like the norse folk with the greek strings uh custom and that's so unique and i love it and i can't wait like i said for your next uh piece from the loners video i'm ready for that part two i don't know when that's gonna be but I, i'm looking forward to it. um it's gonna be in a week all right you're here to hear first folks maybe i don't know <laughs> okay, okay, okay. um i just wanted to say that your your music is uh it's really interesting and it's different um as far as a lot of pagan music goes um just because it's it still has the, the folky and like the ancient style and sound to it but you sing it in english and that's something that 
uh, I've not really heard in a lot of things. There's not much, there's not a lot of English, like pagan music sung in English. Usually it's Old Norse German or some other language. Um, but yeah, yeah it's um, that's also um, a, a reason for doing that is because of the audience that I wanted to connect with with what I mm. do. Um, obviously, you can you can make music in your own language, and I have have some Greek in my my music, and in the upcoming music, there's going to be more Greek and some tracks mainly in Greek or ancient Greek. Um, and I will use more traditional Greek instruments. By the way, I'm only using traditional Greek instruments or ancient Greek instruments. I don't use anything that is modern, let's say, um, just traditional stuff. Um, but I want to make sure that I can also connect with the audience that I want to reach. And the audience is a global audience. Uh, for me, uh, I see myself as a representative of an, of an old culture that needs to stay alive and there's so much to unpack and learn from it. And I see myself as a representative of that. Now history will show if I've done a good job, but I wanna make sure that I translate these lessons into a language that people will understand. Um, there is stuff in our mind, there is so many ideas that we wanna do and they are really alive in our head. But then at some point we need to translate them into music that people will understand and in a language that people understand. So that's why I always try to uh, to mix the ancient Greek and traditional Greek sound with traditional instruments, but also with a more contemporary view, like a pop song structure and something that people are already familiar with. So in a way, what I'm trying to do is do something that people are familiar, but with a twist, with the originality, with the roots of where I was born attached to it. So the essence of it is really Greek and uh, paganism and the ancient wisdom. But let's say the cover is a little bit of contemporary uh, stuff that we all know and, um, and pagan and uh, Greek musical stuff. I think you do that really, really well. Yeah, um, I will I'm say fine. I'm very interested I'm whenever you do the, uh, whenever you start doing like the, uh, the singing in Greek and ancient Greek, I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, I can I can send you a whole album of different stuff that I listen to. That's ancient <laughs> Greek. Like, uh, yeah. I just have a thing for like. There's just there's a like there's a magic to it because we've been talking about magic the entire time basically. But whenever you listen to something that you don't exactly understand by listening to it, but you feel it in here, like your your soul knows what it is and you know what the message is trying to say. You can feel it. There's just something like that that just can't be. I don't know. It just can't be replicated for me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's uh, I I hope I'm uh, I'm sane and healthy to to keep doing that. And if some people can get value out of it, out of the music, and learn something or understand a different culture a little bit better, then I will have to played my part, you know. And uh, yeah, we can all, all we can hope is just uh, to do stuff that people will find other people will find interesting and um, maybe get some value from it. Um, to paraphrase the, the movie, The Room, you know, if we all made original stuff, the world would be a better place to live. <laughs> the, the quote, the, the deep quote hidden within a movie of 
not so deep quotes. <laughs> yeah, correct. Um, so we do have to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Um, honestly, I think this is a, the first episode in a long time where I looked at the clock and I was like, wow, it's already been an hour. So I feel like it's been a really great talk. Um, but I do want to give you um, one last you know, segment here. Go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you, but also anything you're working on that you want them to kind of pay attention to coming up. Right, so right now it's, it's November 2021. So um, the whole law of the origins of Trigo is not out yet, but it will be out by the end of December. If you go on YouTube, uh, Trigo Damon, you will find everything that I create, the audio visuals, the music, but also the law, the stories, the mythology that we've created, where we try to, um, to have the ancient wisdom packaged in a modern way through stories, but also music. So uh, this way you can find me. Also, you can find me on Spotify, Trago, um, Instagram, Trago. By the way, that's T-R-A-G-O-E. And uh, these are the places where you can start your journey with what I have created. Uh, it's going to be enriched with stories, music, and uh, ancient wisdom in a presented in a contemporary way. So I hope you, you like it and uh, hope to see you there. Well, as you said, you ain't stopping. So, you know, you're going to keep doing this till you die. And, and no, when you do, you're going to release definitely. an album. So <laughs> I hope we can stay long enough to keep, you know, publishing stuff for decades. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Trango, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, there is quite a bit of a time difference. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to make this work. It was a great conversation. Um, everyone, make sure you give them a follow, listen to that music. And I am going to leave you with um, the rest of the song, Souls, to be playing after this. Um, if you want to check that out, of course, please check out and support him on Spotify and all the other music vendors out there. Otherwise, thank everyone so much for joining us for this episode. And until the hall, skull. Oh, oh. Yamas. 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 <laughs> I know.